everyone. Quick announcement. Sleep and Relax ASMR has partnered with X-Tingles to release two exclusive NFTs available either by auction or sale on X-Tingles platform. X-Tingles is the premier marketplace for ASMR digital art and collectibles, which you can collect, sell, and trade. Collecting pieces means you'll be a pioneer in this emerging technology as well as support this podcast. In practical terms, you'll be able to collect and trade digital art that combines audio and visual into one. So for more information, you can visit xtingles.com. That's X-T-I-N-G-L-E-S dot com. Or you can email me at hello at sleepandrelaxasmr.com if you have any questions or comments. Link in the description. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sleep and Relax ASMR. And welcome to another edition of the ASMR Critic. If this is your first time listening to the series, well, welcome. Thanks for joining along. And no, there is no need to listen to this in sequential order. The ASMR Critic is a series where I give my opinion and review on an artist or director's um, work or portfolio. I've done uh, episodes on Hilma F. Clint, as well as Martin Scorsese, Jackson Pollock, just to name a few. This episode, we are going to dig into the works of Quentin Tarantino. And of course, there are a ton of options, but uh, I've only seen a handful of Tarantino films. Not included in this episode will be films such as Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bill, Jackie Brown, um, From Dust Till Dawn, True Romance, etc., etc. Films that will be included in this episode are Pulp Fiction, Sin City, which you'll see why, Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, The Hateful Eight, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So, I'd like to work this episode in... Uh, date of release, so we shall begin with Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is a 1994 American crime film written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, who conceived it with Roger Avery, starring John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson, Bruce Willis, Tim Roth, Ving Rhames, and Uma Thurman. It tells several stories of criminal Los Angeles, the title refers to the pulp magazines and hard-boiled crime novels popular during the midnight the mid-20th century, known for their graphic violence and punchy dialogue. Pulp fiction is widely regarded as Tarantino's masterpiece, with particular praise for its screenwriting. The self-reflexivity, uh, unconventional structure, and extensive homage uh have led critics to describe it as a touchstone of postmodern film. I've heard cornerstone, never heard of the use of touchstone to describe anything. It is often considered a cultural watershed influencing movies and other media that adopted elements of its style. Can you tell that I copy pasted some of this text a little bit too small? 
In 2008, Entertainment Weekly named it the best film since 1983, and it has appeared on many critics' lists of the greatest films ever made. So, I'll get on to my commentary. Just like to give some of the uh, background. Um, so, when I first saw Pulp Fiction, I actually was not impressed. I think that's largely because of the kind of um, fame and grandeur and popularity uh, that I knew about it. And my aunt was giving me, you know, all this hype about the film. So me being a Nancy teenager, thinking I was too cool, thinking I was smarter than everyone else in the room, I wanted to reject the film as being as thoughtful and entertaining as it was. But then as I grew up a bit, I rewatched it and I really appreciated the movie on various levels. First off, the film uh, has produced moments that are forever glorified and cemented in pop culture. Whether it be things like Say What Again, Mother Effer, or Royale with Cheese. And, you know, of course, the best line is given by Samuel L. Jackson during the tense moment in the diner. He quotes Ezekiel 25:17. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of the evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy thy br my brothers, and you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. I mean, come on. Like, I obviously didn't deliver the line with the same emotion. I mean, I can't, number one, because I'm not a top-level actor. But number two, this is a sleep-related podcast. If I start yelling, uh... These uh, quotes and lines. It's probably not going to be very conducive to a good night's rest. But I think either way, it's, you know, as I say that, as I, as I read that, and you've seen the film, I think the vast majority of us will kind of play Samuel Jackson saying that in the diner. We can, like, recall exactly how he hit every word, every note. Of that scene. Um, so the fact that Pulp Fiction is kind of like cemented in its place in pop culture, you know, a film that was, you know, released in the 80s, and we still know, we still talk about it, you know, that, that really speaks to me on one level. Secondly, there's this wild level of entertainment. It has funny moments, it has tense moments, it has feel-good moments, moments of redemption. Um, it has basically two totally different stories being told at the same time that you get pulled back and forth between. It has a shock factor, like the whole thing with Marcellus and the Gimp. And, well, if you haven't watched the movie, then you'll have to see what I mean. Lastly, I think... It's what, as a casual viewer, 
I love about movies, which is you go to a place and you feel absorbed in what you watch, and it's entertaining and tense, and you run this entire series of emotion, and you get caught up at the time. What my teenage self couldn't appreciate was to just enjoy what was in front of me at the time. I was getting too caught up in, these are two different stories, um, where is this leading to, what is really the, who are the good guys, who are the bad guys, what's the conclusion, what do I make of this? And if you go into Pulp Fiction and you just go along for the ride, which, being older, I've rewatched it, like I said, and, you know, I can just be caught up in the moment. Enjoy every beat, every scene, every line without getting too worried about, you know, this doesn't look like other movies. This doesn't feel like other movies. It doesn't sound like other movies. It's because it's not like every other movie. That's partially what makes it uh, such a great film. So I will give Pulp Fiction an 8 out of 10. Up next, we have Sin City 2005. Sin City was not directed by Tarantino, but he is credited with a special guest director credit. And Sin City holds a special place in my heart for no real reason, so I wanted to cover it briefly. Sin City is a 2005 American crime anthology film, written, produced, directed by Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller, based on Miller's graphic novel of the same name. The film stars an ensemble cast led by Jessica Alba, Benicio Del Toro, Brittany Murphy, Clive Owen, Mickey Rourke, Bruce Willis, and Elijah Wood. Sin City opened to wide critical and commercial success, gathering particular recognition for the film's unique color processing, which rendered most of the film in black and white while retaining or adding colors for selected objects. So here's my commentary on Sin City, my critique. I remember watching this film when I was a teenager, and it had the opposite effect on me that Pulp Fiction had when I first watched it. And for some reason, I really loved Sin City the first time. Uh, I loved Jessica Alba dancing in black and white. Uh, I loved the seriousness and the comic book-like qualities of it. In reality, when I rewatch it, I am less convinced it's as good as I thought it was, but it's still very entertaining. You know, it's an interesting story. It's very dark if you're into that type of stuff. And, uh, you know, it's a cast of some real big names at that time and still today. Jessica Alba, Benicio Toro, Brittany Murphy, Clive Owen, Mickey Wark, Bruce Willis, Elijah Woods, Rosario Dawson was in there as well. So it's a lot of actors that, you know, at that time in particular were pretty much on top of their game or about to get to the top of their game or whatever the case may be. I, um, it still will always hold a special place in my heart just because I remember... Again, you're a teenager, you think you're smarter, you think... And when you find things that really entertain you and you think are really interesting, it gives you a glimpse into the things you really like, the things you really don't like. 
you know, if you like films, well, what kind of films do you like? And for me, it gave me a very good indication that I, I like films that are very... I like films that mimic a certain um, fantasy. You know, films... I can appreciate films that are very relatable in terms of everyday life, you know, or, or a rom-com even can be entertaining from time to time. But I really enjoy films, and this really cemented it for me, films that feel like something sort of relatable but with totally um, fantastic and kind of mysterious and fantasy-like qualities. It, it's no different why, you know, everyone likes the Harry Potter films for the most part. But I really enjoy Harry Potter because they look like people, you know, they have the same, some of the same cars, the same buildings, normal things that you can relate to in a normal everyday life. But there's also this element where it's like, this is a totally different world. Sin City, again, based on the way it's filmed, the way it's presented, the characters, some of the, the, the uh, let's call it, effects you kind of are in the you know I felt like I was in a comic book and I remember thinking about that while watching and uh, really really kind of gave me an idea of the things I like so anyway I'll give it a six and a half out of ten verging on a seven but I think seven would be a little too high because I think it's very entertaining I think it adds a it holds a sentimental place for me but it's not a great film in my opinion, so I'll give it a six and a half. Next up we have Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards is a 2009 war film written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring Brad Pitt, Christoph Waltz, Michael Fassbender, Eli Roth, Diane Kruger, Daniel Bruhl, Tilde Schweiger, and Melanie. Laurent. The film tells an alternate history story of two plots to assassinate Nazi Germany's leadership, one planned by Shoshana Dreyfus Laurent, a young French-Jewish cinema proprietor, and the other by a team of Jewish-American soldiers led by First Lieutenant Aldo Rain, played by uh, Brad Pitt. Christoph Waltz co-stars as Hans Landa, an SS colonel tracking down Rain's group, and it was connected to Shoshana's past. The film was, the film's title was inspired by Italian director Enzo Castellari's Macaroni Combat: The Inglorious Bastards, a film in 1978. Excuse me, 1978. A couple more little tidbits before I give you my opinion on Inglorious Bastards. Inglourious Bastards grossed over $321 million in theaters worldwide, making it Tarantino's highest-grossing film at the time, until it was surpassed by Django Unchained in 2012, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, two films that uh, I will discuss next, actually. The film, of course, received widespread acclaim and received multiple awards and nominations, among them, eight Academy Award nominations, including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Original Screenplay. I really loved um, Inglourious Bastards the first time I watched it. 
second time I watched, the third time, every time. I thought Brad Pitt was very good, although kind of a bit over the top with the accent, but Brad Pitt gets like that from time to time. Like an over overly serious Brad Pitt kind of has the same pauses and hits in the way he'll deliver lines. Can be distracting, but overall, in most case, he was uh, a net positive in the film. Unbelievable performance, and it's what really put Waltz on the map, I think, for casual cinema and film fans. His ability to be charismatic, uh, funny, and yet devastatingly fearsome and frightful is so difficult, and he is just perfect. You know, there's this idea that the best actors are those that do simple things that you don't even realize they're acting, and that is Christoph Waltz. Dialogue in the film is grade A. There are plenty of scenes, in particular the opening scene, where it's a dialogue with so much at stake, but from the very beginning you're, you're gripping onto your seat experiencing a roller coaster of emotions. You know, the opening scene is, it's like one of the most unbelievable openings to any movie. You know, the entry of Colonel Hans Landa, uh, he visits, visits a, a farmer, and um, I really don't want to give too much away in the event that you haven't seen it, but seriously, re-watch the opening scene of Inglourious Bastards, even just on YouTube, and enjoy how great it is in every way. You know, the way he walks into the farmer's home, the slow, methodical uh, beat of every kind of bit of dialogue that's taking place. It's, I mean, you can cut the tension with a knife, and it's just two people talking. I think if, I think if another director tries this, if he tries, if he or she tries to execute the same idea, I think the vast majority of directors get this to fall flat. But of course, it's Tarantino, it's Christoph Waltz. I don't know name. I don't know the name of the uh, French actor who played the farmer, but he was also freaking. Everyone is great in this movie. But, you know, when a movie is able to drag you in, force you into a scene or a time and place, and it's able to do so in the most simple ways, right? Whether it be the setting, the small details, the audio, the camera work. It's what takes it above a normal movie and transcends into a higher form of entertainment, at least for, again, a very casual movie fan and viewer like myself. The absolute best scene and one of the best scenes I've ever seen in my life is um, a couple of characters are doing a covert mission at uh, a Nazi bar. And uh, it wasn't supposed to be a very tense experience, but then, you know, it ended up being... Um, anyway. I'm going to try to paraphrase it. Uh, Lieutenant uh, Hickox, played by Michael Fassbender, Fantastic. Um, accompanied by Lieutenant Wiki and Hugo Stieglitz. You know, they were supposed to uh, 
basically rendezvous with the German actress, double agent Bridget von Hammersmark, at a small French tavern. And uh, when they show up, it's actually filled with German military because of the uh, celebration of one of them, one of the German uh, privates becoming a new father. And, uh, you know, they're drunk and they're trying to have a good time. And obviously as a viewer, you know, you're going into the scene with the expectation that it's supposed to be a very calm, very, very easy kind of normal day. You know, it's as simple as going to a bar. And then, of course, again, this ends up being extremely tense. Anyway, the... The scene basically involves a game of cards, some witty dialogue, some small details that upon first view you probably don't catch. And it's what makes a film. It's just, it's so good. I, I don't, I really don't want to give away too many details because those that have seen it, I think, will recall the scene in particular and know exactly what I mean about how good it is and how simple the idea is. It doesn't require effects. It doesn't require a ton of action. It doesn't require something crazy. It just requires, you know, good acting, good dialogue, good writing, good framing, good camera work. And, you know, it's Tarantino, so what else What else is there to say? You know he's going to just do a great job. I could go on and on about um, Inglourious Bastards, but... I will give it a 9 out of 10. If you were to ask me on a different day, maybe I'll give it 10 out of 10. Well, actually, I'm just saying it out loud is kind of silly. I'll give it a 10 out of 10. I think for me it might be my favorite Tarantino film. Up next, we move to Django Unchained. Django Unchained is a 2012 American revisionist western Written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, Leonardo DiCaprio, Carrie Washington, and Samuel L. Jackson. It is a highly stylized tribute to spaghetti westerns, using an obvious revisionist history, in particular the 1966 Italian film Django by Sergio Corbucci who star Franco Nero as a cameo appearance. Django Unchained grossed $162.8 million in the U.S. and Canada and $262.6 million in other territories for a worldwide total of $425 million uh, against a production budget of $100 million. So, a success, of course, by uh, any standard. So, um, here, well, on Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds an approval rating of 87% based on 282 reviews. The website's critical consensus reads, bold, bloody, and stylistically daring. Django Unchained is another uh, masterpiece from Quentin Tarantino. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times gave the film four stars out of four and said, quote, 
The film offers one sensational sequence after another, all set around these two intriguing characters who seem opposites but share pragmatic financial and personal issues. Had I not been prevented from seeing it sooner because of an injury, this would have been on my year's best films list. And I include, end quote, I include the commentary above because it rings very true. It's very bold. It's very in your face. And you don't forget Django Unchained the moment you finish it. It's a movie that lingers with you and you think of it beyond the time it finishes. And I think that's a great testament to its entertainment value and quality. And while I don't love Django as much as I did Inglourious Bastards, I think it is still great in many ways. Right? Jamie Foxx is great. That's usually the case. Leo DiCaprio is great. Christoph Waltz, you know it's going to do a great job. It's, um, you know, in some ways it's, it possesses some of the same great qualities of Inglourious Bastards in that there is some excellent dialogue to be expected. But, there's overall more kind of action and kind of like fantastical action that's that's almost like um, comedic in some cases so I, I wouldn't say it's as good as Inglourious Bastards by any stretch but again it's entertainment value and uh, sticking power in terms of again it's not a movie that once it's over you forget about you know you can you can kind of recall scenes very clearly certain moments very clearly so I will give Django a 7 out of 10. Up next we have The Hateful Eight. The Hateful Eight is a 2015 American Western thriller written directed by Quentin Tarantino. The film stars Samuel L. Jackson, Kurt Russell, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Walton Goggins, Demian Bashir, Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, and Bruce Dern as eight strangers who seek refuge from a blizzard in a stagecoach stopover sometime after the American Civil War. Um, can I include a couple other things here? The film grossed $155.8 million against a $45 million budget. Another success, of course, in that sense. So here's like a more in-depth overview. Several years after the Civil War, a stagecoach rides through a cold Wyoming landscape. The passengers, bounty hunter John Ruth and his fugitive Daisy Domergue, race towards the town of Red Rock where Ruth, uh, known in these parts as the Hangman, will bring Domergue to justice. Along the road, they encounter two strangers, Major Marquise Warren and Chris Mannix. Losing their lead on the blizzard, the group seeks refuge at Minnie's Haberdashery, a stagecoach stopover on a mountain pass. As the storm overtakes the mountainside stopover, our four travelers and four strangers come to learn they may not make it to Red Rock after all. My commentary. The Hateful Eight is a movie that, immediately when I saw the trailer for, I was begging to see. So it's one of those movies I knew I was going to enjoy. It's a Tarantino film, so you've got some of the best in the business, 
Samuel Jackson, Kurt Russell, Tim Roth, um, Walton Goggins, which I wasn't that familiar with prior to the film, but while watching and since watching, I've really enjoyed his work. Um, you know, I'll get to that in a second. Um, you know, the list goes on and it's just an ensemble of characters that, you know, you're going to get, uh, great acting and great character development because Tarantino always delivers films with great dialogue, very well defined characters. And he's able to get his actors. Um, he's able to get actors that he knows will deliver exactly the type of character that he wants. Again, my favorite of the group was Walton Goggins. You know, I didn't know him before the film, um, but I've seen him now on Vice Principles, The Righteous Gemstones. He's got this crazy range, and he can be funny, he can be serious, he can display emotion in a very obvious way. He never seems out of place in anything he does, and I think he is great in The Hateful Eight. Um, there's a review that I included here in my commentary, which is, The Hateful Eight is, quote, a high-wire thriller full of masterfully executed twists, captivating dialogue, and a wildly entertaining narrative that gallops along at a pace to make three hours evaporate in an instant. End quote. Um, and then Peter Bradshaw wrote, It's intimate yet somehow weirdly colossal, once again releasing Tarantino's own kind of unwholesome, crazy, funny, violent, nitrous oxide into the cinema auditorium for us to inhale it's the last bit um, that really sticks with me and it's exactly what I felt was great about the film it is insanely intimate and the entire film takes place in one setting and yet it feels vast, it feels rich, it feels like a real place. You know, it's a simple setting, complex characters, great dialogue. It makes it for the type of film that I really enjoy the most. You know, again, it's it has the same effect that Sin City had on me, which is, it's relatable, and yet, because of the funny quality of it, the kind of historical piece, you know, it's like a kind of um, period piece almost, it feels like a fantasy. It feels like a tall tale being told to you by Tarantino and, and you're just enjoying hearing about it and you're wondering, well, is this really how it went? Um, it doesn't really have one scene that I, I think, you know, I will love in cinematic glory and, you know, at least not on the top of my head, but the entire film, despite being pretty long, is... If you like this kind of period piece, if you like good dialogue, good setting, every every little detail being right about delivering the uh, story, then I think you'll enjoy it. So, And I give it an 8 out of 10. Fittingly, being that it's the hateful 8. And now we reach the final film of this ASMR critic edition, which is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a 2019 comedy drama film written and directed by 
Quentin Tarantino. Produced by Columbia Pictures. It is a... Uh, it features a large ensemble cast led by Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie. Set in 1969 Los Angeles, the film follows an actor and a stunt double as they navigate the changing film industry and features multiple storylines in a modern fairy tale tribute to the final moments of Hollywood's golden age. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood premiered at Cannes Film Festival on May 21st, 2019 and was theatrically released in the U.S. July 26, 2019. The film has grossed $374 million worldwide and received praise from critics for Tarantino's screenplay, directing, acting, cinematography, costume design, everything, you name it. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a film that if you ask me to tell you exactly what it's about, even though that little snippet is true, you know, an actor and his stuff, and kind of trying to find their place in Hollywood during the end of its golden age, you'd have to really watch it to appreciate it, for sure. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood does something exceptionally well, and something that Tarantino pulls off so effectively in basically every other film review this episode, and that is, this movie feels like a real place in real time. I think for most of us, we expect a good movie to have that going on, but it's much more difficult than we can appreciate, I think. This felt like real people, real scenes, real places, real stories, and that's the beauty of a film that you see um, in this form of entertainment. DiCaprio's great in this movie, like always, he plays a role convincingly, and he does look like a tormented actor struggling to move past his fame from previous roles, but no longer, you know, those those roles no longer exist, or they just totally pass him by. Brad Pitt, great as always, had some of the usual Brad Pitt stuff where he delivers lines and pauses in the same way sometimes, but, you know, he's great nonetheless. Margot Robbie pretty much just smiles and remains silent the entire film, and yet she is so charismatic and magnetic, and she's wonderful. It's a really interesting film because I think when you talk about what, you know, what is the plot of the film, what's the point? It's not easy to say, like I mentioned. This movie is about A and B. No, it's basically Tarantino giving us a glimpse into old Hollywood, the dying breed of macho male-centric roles and stars, and pop culture, revisionist history, um, take on the uh, Sharon Tate murder, which, you know, you'd have to watch to really see what I'm getting at. It is slow at times, but I like the ride in general. I didn't feel bored. I felt very curious to know where every scene was um, leading to. And I think if you've watched it or you're going to watch it, I think you'll feel the same way. You're stuck kind of wondering what is going to be, what's the next scene? Where are we getting to? That's part of the fun. Just enjoy the ride. So, Overall, I really enjoy Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I give it a rating of 8 out of 10. So there you have it. I have critiqued and given my nonsensical rambles about some of Tarantino's biggest and best films. I'm curious to know what your opinions are. 
What are some other Tarantino films I should check out? What are some other directors or artists I should check out? You can always get in touch with me at hello at sleepandrelaxasmr.com. That's all for this episode. Thanks as always for listening, and take care.